Tim, would your dinner do anything for love but not do that? It, it probably did. Was it paradise by the heating lamp light? <laughs> it was. No, we cooked it in our oven. Is 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 Meatloaf the original emo band? Because like his song titles are so freaking long. Oh, he's. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure where you were going with Meatloaf equals emo. And so t- I was like, wait a minute, but he, yeah, he, okay, he landed it. He landed it. Yeah, I was. I was. I'm. I'm impressed. Welcome to Brose. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell! My name is Matt Casnell, and joining me as they always do are my bros in Rose. On an audio feed reporting live from Belmar, New Jersey, it's Mr. Rich Sweet. Hi, everyone. On an audio feed reporting live from Haddon Heights, New Jersey, it's Mr. Sean O'Brien. Hey, everybody. And on an audio feed reporting live from the mean streets of Malvern, Pennsylvania, it's Mr. Tim Hansen. What's up? Excellent. Excellent. How y'all doing tonight? Doing great. (laughs) Doing great. (laughs) Awesome. So it appears that I'm still on some sort of delay. That's on, okay. uh, on our audio recording, but I think we're going to, you know, we can we can manage through. We've, we've powered through. Uh, look, it's the year 2020. We've powered through enough as a as a group <laughs> of four and as a society. Uh, you know, we're going to we'll, we'll try and manage through it, what appears to be a slight a, a slight delay on our on our uh, on my end for the video and audio. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. OK. Yeah. 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 Try and manage. So um Guys hanging in there, you know, it's uh, we're recording this on Saturday, October 10th. I feel like we're going to need to timestamp like all of these now um, just to to really make sure that everybody knows where we're at and what we know as far as the world. <laughs> I, I, stuff evolves so quickly. It's just like like we'll be talking about something and then the next week it's like, oh, also this week, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. The president yeah. has COVID. Yeah, everything yeah. you thought you yeah. knew is bullshit now. Yeah. Since since the last we recorded, there had been two debates, and the president got COVID. Yes, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's yeah, insane. And we'll, we'll probably we'll probably address the COVID thing, but the the president getting COVID was one of the first pieces of news, like huge news that I've heard in the last few years that I didn't see on like social media before it happened. Like because it happened real late on like a Thursday night. And then I woke up Friday morning uh, and started playing uh, my Amazon Alexa in the kitchen uh, plays NPR when I wake up in the morning. And it was like, you know, from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. President Trump has coronavirus. Like, what? Uh, so that was a surreal moment. I was like, wait a minute, this actually happened. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah. So, yeah, dude, it's weird, man. Dude, it's weird. It's 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 insane. The world we live in right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just get it out there right now. I may potentially be unemployed again. So this is the world yep. we live in. This is this is and, and what Rich is referring to is the fact that after this episode, his contract with us runs out, and uh, not so sure we're gonna pick him up again for another year. We may need a new PR guy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. I you know. Yeah. Whether I stay or not, we still do need a new PR guy. Do you have a cousin that Ooh. perhaps perhaps we could uh, rope into this show, uh, Rich? Uh, let me think. I mean, my cousin Colin, he's pretty good. He likes wine. Colin. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like a stand-up, ja- uh, stand-up guy. He's, he's yeah. a stand-up guy. He's, 
He's a lot more stand up than any other uh, cousins I can think of. Yeah, unfortunately, you, you don't have any more. No, <laughs> you just have no other cousins. No, no, that's that's no. the one. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what? Wait, we'll see. Listen, Rich. Again, we'll see how things go for this episode. Uh, but uh, but you know, just 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 know that that every every little every comment, every uh, every note, every joke, every every piece of information that you drop on the show is going to be scrutinized extra, uh, given the circumstances. And, I, and and listen, I think that's honestly fair, and you can understand that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly probably just going to be phoned it in this episode anyway, so it's all up to my uh, manager and agent to keep me on the show. I mean, it's <laughs> funny because this is on a, a Google Hangout, so it's a, it's a video wait, wait, call. Rich, you're, we, you're literally phoning it in. We've been phoning it in for seven months, Rich. Uh, <laughs> don't know what to tell you. Uh, welcome to the Brose Podcast, available as always on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and everywhere else where fine podcasts are bought and sold. Uh, if you've listened to our show before, you know that the premise of our program is that we answer questions from you, the audience members, about life, the universe, and everything. And we do it while enjoying a delicious, crisp, uh, fruity, refreshing glass of rosé. Um, if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the air, email it to brosequestions at gmail.com. That's brosequestions at gmail.com. Uh, before we get to those questions, though, uh, we have to go to uh, the award-winning part of our podcast. The reason uh. that we're so well acclaimed <laughs> is uh, the part where we discuss the wines we are drinking. Um, how about Sean? How'd you like to go first? I'd love to. So I'm drinking Rosé Nové. There's this is one of those ones. There's so many words. Which one is actually what it's <laughs> yeah, called? Yeah, Urbania. There's it's, it's a risotto. Mm-hmm. Terradora di di Paolo. Terradora di Paolo. I'm gonna say Terradora it's rosé Spanish. Yeah. So it's I I guess it's a Spanish rosé. It's uh it's really good. It's more tart because I I didn't notice it was rosado and I think the last one I had was really sweet, like almost like a juice. But this one's really, it's like a tart, like more like a cranberry juice. So I'm into it. I'm digging it. It's good Ooh. so far. That's good. Mm-hmm. Cranberry is one of those, I've, I don't think I've had just a straight up cranberry, but I love cranberry flavored stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of those weird ones. Like same thing with like raspberries. Like you know, like strawberry. I've had a strawberry watermelon. I've had a watermelon cherry stuff like that. But like cranberry and, and raspberry, are those two flavors. That, like I like the flavor, but I I can't say I've ever just been like, ooh. I've Wait, definitely or one had of a your raspberry. Raspberries, please. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a cranberry. I've had a craisin. I've had craisins too. <laughs> yeah. I've had a raspberry, but if you, I, I primarily use them in cooking, like for like if you're making like oatmeal, you toss some craisins in there, mm-hmm. or, or like French toast or something like that. I, I've I've had raspberries. I hate raspberries. I love raspberry flavored things. Agreed. That's odd. That's odd. I don't that like my the stance f- on coffee for a while. It's, yeah, I don't it's like the feeling. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Texture. I don't like the feeling of raspberries. It's just it's- like, why am I eating sandpaper? <laughs> don't like it. When when I worked at McDonald's, we have we had the oatmeal, and there was packets of craisins to go with the oatmeal. I would just take like five packets of craisins, just down those things. <laughs> How do craisins <laughs> relate to your wine? Yeah. Sorry, I'm bringing this train back on the train. Here, let's, let's go. We need that's the way. You should stay the president because we need somebody to keep us in line. Yeah. I will lead this podcast into the future, baby. <laughs> yeah. The leader that we need in such in such trying times. Yeah. Mate, Rich, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, Thomasella Winery um, White Zinfandel. Uh, it was the uh, largest and cheapest bottle of wine I could find at Wegmans in the allotted short amount of time that I could. I had to get it. 
and it's good. I like it. Look at how big this thing is, though. It's huge. Ooh, it was only ten. Boy. It was only ten bucks. It's a thick wine for ten yeah. bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta. Yeah, maybe, let, let us know what time you wake up tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I just, I I gotta I gotta watch myself with this because it's so good that I'm just gonna keep drinking. Yeah, you gotta be careful that if, if it's. The problem with with the ten dollar bottle of wine, if it's if it's too good tasting at ten dollars a bottle, like it's it's gonna be a rough Sunday morning. Oh, like, <laughs> well, yeah, I I totally expect it to be a rough Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Rich, Sean, no, not Sean. Uh, <laughs> how many pe- how many people are left on this podcast? Tim, you, what are you, you drinking you. tonight? It's gonna say you got a fifty fifty shot. You say, if you say your own name, you're fucking <laughs> out, bro. Uh, Vince, what are you drinking? <laughs> wow. Oh, that's my cousin's name. <laughs> the non-existent cousin. All right. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, I discovered last weekend at a wonderful wedding event that uh, me and alcohol uh, on my current medication are no longer friends. Um, the next... Not, not that the mm-hmm. alcohol and I are no longer friends. We're great <laughs> friends. I love it. It's great. Uh, nice, nice glass of wine for... Uh, or a white claw apparently is now delicious. Oh, um, but the next day I have a horrible hangover on even limited uh, intake. So uh, I am non-alcoholing this with uh, Mingle, which is a sparkling mocktail, mm-hmm. which I discovered at Wegmans today. It's uh, <laughs> blood orange elderflower. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's a very light flavor. Uh, I don't really know what elderflower is supposed to taste like. But it's it's just a very light flavor, very uh, yeah. I don't know how the fuck to describe this, but it's not gross, and that's mm-hmm. a plus in my book. Since everything else that should be delicious currently tastes gross because of this fucking Topamax that I'm drink- taking. Mm. Dude, mm. it's brutal. It's brutal. Uh, yeah. it, overall, uh, health is eh, still right exactly now. Exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it's so, fucking brutal. Nothing has changed, dude. Uh, all the best to you, uh, and and. The best you can. Enjoy your mocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in indulge in some sweet, sweet uh, sweetness. Thanks. Sweet victory. <laughs> it's the sweet one. <laughs> um, so I'm drinking JP Asiato. Uh, f- <laughs> Jesus. Uh, f- uh, a Bacaloa a wine. Um, and I've had this before. And I know this because this is a half drink bottle of rosé. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was just you know, I have. I have uh, only a couple of bottles left and I'm just trying to make some space in the fridge for the next time uh, I make a run for this. Uh, what I can tell you about this is it definitely tastes tart, but it mostly tastes like a fridge. Uh, it mostly <laughs> tastes like it, it's it's quite cold. And, um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but I will say that if cold, in most cases, if the first thing about your tasting note that I can identify is the temperature. There is probably an issue. It's the same thing. It's the same. Um, like, you know how for years and years and years, Coors Light, the main selling point was you could tell how freaking cold it was. Like, mountains. oh, there's a label. That's how you know it's cold. Like, that. The, the problem with any drink is if the first thing is like, boy, it's great when it's cold, there's probably a problem. So uh, for this one, it is fine. It is very cold. Tastes a little bit like it's been in there for a bit. But it is it – is, crisp and it is uh, a little bit on the drier side which is always my bag when it comes to these so are you saying it has the right temperature to, f- to shelter you from the storm is that <laughs> what it has uh is, is that a coldplay is that a coldplay reference no it's a sean paul reference 
Uh oh! <laughs> I got the right to put you to shelter you from the storm. I the, the problem is, is that you asked me to identify any other words to that song aside from temperature, and there's there's simply no way I was going to be able to pull that off. <laughs> well, God bless God bless Sean Paul for uh being you know for two decades now being a a top selling artist when all I know is uh get busy. The words get busy from that song. Get busy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I think he has, uh, you know, something about uh, shake that thing in the same yeah. in the same song. So good. Good on Sean Paul. Good on Sean Paul. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so I have here in on my screen a list of questions for our first round of episodes. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. Uh, for this round of episode, for this round uh, of Brose, and if you have again, if you have a question you want us to answer on the air, brosequestions at gmail dot com. Um, our first question: Summarize this week's news in six words. Hmm. hmm. Holy shit! Oh my god, damn. <laughs> The thing is, I don't remember what happened this week because so much stuff happens every week. So, I think we can still count I, Trump having who the COVID, fuck even is though that, that fly. Who the fuck uh, is that fly? Oh. Is a good one. I I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. COVID hospital. COVID no mask. Fly. Nice. That's fine. Yeah. COVID no mask. Fly. <laughs> okay. Fly. Fly. A lot of fly. A lot of fly um, talk. There's a lot of fly talk. That's, Mad fly talk. That's the only thing I know about the debate. I mm-hmm. haven't gotten around to watching it, and I don't think I'm going to be able to because of the fly. It was mm-hmm. – the fly was only on the screen for like a minute and a half. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it was a better debate than the presidential one, but mm-hmm. still not great. Yeah. It was yeah. like – It's a very low bar. Yeah. So Pence is just – Pence did the same thing that Trump did. He's just better at it. Like Trump is just yeah. like lie, lie, lie as fast as you can, as much as you can, and Pence did the same thing, but like, not. Yeah, I don't know. as I say, if I could come up with six words for just that debate, it would be like debates tolerable when politicians lie quietly, because um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's sort of like less overtly you know, <laughs> and avoid answering the actual question. Yeah, and and listen to be to be frank, I mean, it's not like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden weren't a little bit. In misdirective as far as what they said, but they are not in the same league as what uh, yeah. Trump and and Pence are doing. Um, and, you know, Pence just flat out ignoring questions, flat out just like I think he answered a healthcare question by just talking about uh, a soldier that could have been saved if Biden had just been more decisive when he was vice president or something like that. Just straight up ignoring questions yeah. and, and yeah. going. So. So, it, yeah, that was the thing. Everybody's like, oh, boy, this is much better. I'm like, well, yeah, but they're just doing the same shit. It's just that they're being like, uh, respectfully, uh, go right ahead. You know, can we have a we can have a conversation about that instead of screaming like you're an idiot, Joe, <laughs> like you're the bottom of your class. <laughs> exactly. And instead of like, will you shut up, man, it was just like uh, I'm speaking. Yeah, <laughs> it was like uh, I, I'm speaking, Mike. Yeah, I, I heard that. that clown. Yeah, and I, I heard that um, like play according to twitter which i know is not the best benchmark like mm. that that plays really well with suburban with women in general because they've all yes. been in that position where mm. they're like a, a dude is just talking over them and they're like mm. i'm and to say something like i'm talking is a very powerful thing mm-hmm. to demand yeah. that you're like to to make to try to attempt to make pence aware that she's taking up space and she deserves to be here and she deserves mm. to be heard is a big thing 
So good on her. It was, but mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't great. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, you know, these are, it's still, it's sort of like politics as usual, which is still not phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, we're back instead of being, you know, like, not, you know, nails on a chalkboard. It's, you know, it's the normal pattern of, of, of political mistruths and, mm-hmm. and half truths and things like that. And, you know, we're not going to blow like I, I'm not a particularly big fan of Kamala Harris as a politician, just because I don't like some of her background. I think she's changed. She's changed a lot of her positions uh, mm-hmm. from when she was uh, a yeah. prosecutor. She's in, she's a cop. Like she is. She is. She's we've, a cop. we've said it before in the show. <laughs> we said it again. She's a goddamn cop. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so so and, and that's the interesting thing. Like I've talked to family members um, who are, are are very much on the right side of things, and and some of are my elderly family members have said stuff like oh i think kamala is a socialist i'm like boy the socialists do not like kamala man like socialists massively disagree yeah yeah Yeah. i was gonna say like if there's if if you take anything away from this conversation uh it's that kamala harris is not a trojan horse for socialism Uh, (laughs) it's just simply not it's not true i I think that's my favorite part of of any of the discourse going on is that anyone and, I, and I'll, yeah, no, I'll say that is pretty much anyone on the the right side of the aisle is mm-hmm. like it, it, it thinks that somehow Biden and Kamala are the like the socialist flag and like the 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 far left wing. And it's like, have you paid attention to nothing? Like, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you just not pay attention and you just like? Well, it's, it's, words out of your a-hole and like that's what you go with because literally the far left wing like more or less hates them and if if not uh, uh, there is a not small risk that a lot of people from the very far left are going to absolutely not vote and cause a significant issue because he is the nominee mm-hmm. Like then, that is a not insignificant risk. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's sort of like the young <clears throat> standard bearer for far for progress, like far left progressivism in the in the Democratic Party, as she's she's been a good sport overall about Joe Biden being the nominee. But she's also in, in a lot of public statements done everything but say, like, yo, fuck this guy and has <laughs> uh, come just short of saying that, which is fine. Like it's it's yeah. that's her that's her political opinion. That's OK. You're not supposed to just say, like, everything the Democratic Party does is great just because mm-hmm. you're a Democrat. What I think is interesting is um, it's it's very evident that um, like the Trump campaign and everybody uh, in that circle is just not interested in get or is not trying to garner any votes outside of their like hardcore base because it's like the the stuff that that pence is saying and the stuff that trump is saying like he's using it's it's shorthand he's referencing aoc and the green new deal without going into detail about it almost as if he's just like hitting the points and listen if you watch fox news all the time you might know aoc and be like oh aoc i know who that is i don't like her Mm -hmm. um but like if you're just the average schmo who's tuning in for the first time there's like a pretty solid chance if you're a new voter you have no idea who what an aoc is and you have no idea what a Green New Deal is. Uh, it's This is your first time hearing it. And if, if you just bring that up without explaining it, it's just going to be like, uh, whatever, what? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um, any other news that you want to address in six words or less? Uh, no, I think it would just be Trump got COVID surprising no one. That's six. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a good that's one, it. too. Like, just because <laughs> like, no the, like the, the debate mm-hmm. happened, but that's the big news. Mm-hmm. And it's the most frustrating news mm-hmm. because – 
he got better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know. Yeah. I, I think the, the best way to put it is like I, I'm – the way I, I would put it is this with the, the Trump being sick thing. Um, there, are ve- there are very, very few people that I've been like, boy, I wish that person was dead. I think it, it boils down to like Osama bin Laden um, and – like Harvey Weinstein. Like it's, it's a very small group of people. And like Trump has been a horrible person. The way I would put it with my, my feeling on Trump being sick and the potential for him dying from this COVID thing is Chris Rock had a joke way back in the day about, um, about OJ, about the OJ case. It was not necessarily the most PC joke, but basically he said like he, he, the, the bit was he'd rattle off all the stuff that OJ claimed that his, 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 uh, wife at the, or his girlfriend at the time, did and was like you know bringing this other guy around and things like that and what chris rock said was now i'm not saying oj should have killed her but i understand and that's sort (laughs) of the way the joke aside that's sort of the way i feel about trump is like i don't necessarily i don't know if i necessarily think that trump should die but i understand if you think that donald trump uh would be (laughs) it'd be better if donald trump would die it's like i get it man yeah i completely i think that's yeah I've I've like had to chime in so many times on a well I didn't have to I felt like I should on on a bunch of uh, Facebook posts recently because people are essentially laughing at the fact that he got COVID and like I jump in I'm like they're not laughing at him for having gotten sick they're pointing out the irony and the fact that if he had just fucking listened oh yeah he wouldn't well, have gotten sick to be clear as an as an English major not to rule out this card. But Trump getting COVID is the opposite of irony. It would be ironic if Trump was the entire time <laughs> like being like, we need to wear masks mm-hmm. and being real hardcore about it and then got COVID. That would mm-hmm. be irony. This is just cause and effect. Yeah. So yeah. I understand what you're saying. And I think yeah, yeah. I think actually the like the definition of irony is like anything surprising that's happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it, <laughs> Just to it be clear, the opposite of it would be a, it would be a cruel ironic. irony almost yeah. if you care if you gave a shit about the guy. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, no, I, I understand. I there, I think the, the the media in general, especially liberal media, is doing that annoying thing they do when some like it happened. The same thing happened when John McCain died, where they were like he was a great man, and it's like you can't. I don't. You can. There is a. There is a, a line you have to draw between being overly like overly praising him and being aware of the things that he's done. Like John McCain, I think, has done bad things. And it's okay when he dies. You don't have to forget that. No, like, correct. Or yeah. when, when Trump gets sick, you don't have to forget that he's – you, you, you shouldn't forget all yeah. of the shit that he's done. And so like I, I, I understand the, the desire to be like – because it doesn't feel good when someone gets sick to be like, fuck that dude. But at the same time, I don't think it's healthy to be like, let's pretend like it's your friend because he's not. Donald Trump yeah. isn't your friend that got COVID like and like was like flouting the rules and got COVID. You're not going to laugh at your friend, but he's like the president. It's a yeah. totally different ball game. It's, it's OK to be like, fuck that dude. Even I'm it's it is OK even if I don't know if I feel that way to be like, good. Yeah. That he yeah. There's, it. there's, it's the, the media does absolutely get funky around like illness. And especially when there's the risk of death, like uh, even like when like Andrew Breitbart died and there was a lot of like glowing, like he's got a wife and kids. I'm like, all right, great. Just cause he had sex does not excuse you from, yeah. from getting scorn uh, for, for stuff that you did. And the way, you, you know, the Breitbart manipulated the media, the way Trump has done all of the Trump things, yeah. you know, 
even even people who generally we consider to be like okay like a ruth bader ginsburg uh john mccain like people who are revered a little bit more in the public eye it's okay to look at them with a with a critical eye afterwards and be like okay not every decision you made was phenomenal yeah. in fact it's important yes I yeah, would argue. we don't do that yeah yeah mm-hmm. There's no deification. Um, any other thoughts on the news? Uh, I'm sure there will be other questions about the news. Uh, <laughs> if you'd be interested in uh, in addressing those. Yeah. Oh wait, um, um, wait. How many how many words is this? Tom Brady still butthurt today. <laughs> oh wait, no. Tom Brady still butthurt twice. Yeah, there was a uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Brady didn't shake hands with Nick Foles after Nick Foles beat him the other night. Uh, with another Thursday, team. With a different team. <laughs> uh, and Tom Brady, who uh, uh, somebody, uh, uh, Brandon um, Lee Gowton, who writes for Bleeding Green Nation, pointed out that he went back and watched the video for every single game. Uh, oh, no, it was uh, Mark Farzetta. Anyway, somebody went, went back and watched uh, every single game. It was like Brady shook hands after every single game this year, even the ones that he lost, except for the one with Brady. What a coward. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady doesn't know fourth down. Oh, he does not we can just we oh yeah no that was like one of the key things on that game like oh yeah one he didn't know it was fourth down though apparently because he threw the ball away because he thought he had another down to play with and he was holding up the four down finger and they were like no i think the answer is tom brady had a senior moment (laughs) because he should have retired yeah he should have well he went to florida to get out of there and just retire um uh, okay the next question is is the fly a good or a bad distraction? Bad, bad, highly. I yeah. tend to agree. It's a yeah. it's a bad but unexpected, not not unexpected distraction. So while I was looking up the news from this week, I saw that uh, Joe Biden uh, was selling fly swatters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Following the debate, uh, they're sold out currently. And there was a I saw a post on Twitter, and I don't remember who it's from. So unfortunately, I cannot credit them. But essentially, it was the fly and a picture of the fly swatter, and then. Uh, it was the Calvin and Hobbes thing where it's like uh, all of the rock stars from like all of the old rock stars, they're all boomers now. And so yeah. like they're part of the establishment. So they're not like that kind of stuff. It's not like edgy and cool. It's like you're you're a, it's like your mom trying like wearing ripped jeans to a Van Halen concert. Rip. R.I.P. Yeah. But like, yeah, really. I, I think it's just that you should be focusing it's honestly the fly is a great thing for the trump campaign because people Mm -hmm. aren't focusing on how he lied they're focusing on a fly that landed on his dumb ugly head yeah and his pink eye oh yeah he also had a weird bloodshot eye and also didn't know this pence has pretty big ears uh i didn't realize this not i don't i don't like making fun of people i think he has a lot more substantive things to make fun of him for but he has huge ears dude has huge ears (laughs) yeah who knew <laughs> gigantic the fly yeah the fly the, the fly swatter thing is seems like a very like 2004 thing to be doing mm-hmm. like if that if the fly had landed you know that like that would be the big thing like, like the john Kerry campaign in like 04 if a fly landed on bush's head during a debate like that was the like it's the equivalent of like if john Kerry was selling um like waffle makers to, to critique George W. Bush on like him waffling on positions like it's just it, it's corny. Great. I mean, listen, if you want to raise money for your campaign, fine. I guess there's worse ways to do it. Um, but I will give credit to to this is purely um, observational bias here. But the the podcasts and radio programs and, and sites that I've read about the post debate 
um, the fly seems to be tucked away at like the bottom of a, it's usually like a one minute thing at the end. It's like, okay, we have to talk about the fly, you know, of mm-hmm. course a fly yeah. on his head, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, the fly is a stupid distraction. I will put it mm-hmm. that way. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's a bad distraction. I totally agree. I just wonder how much hair gel he actually has in his hair that he didn't feel it walking around up there. Mm. Like to be to be fair, I, we've all really been there. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. As recently as this afternoon, uh, I was uh, hanging out, uh, you know, doing some some porch hanging out with a friend of the show, David Bennett. And at least twice, lantern flies landed on his chest, and uh, I was like, "Yo, dude, dude, dude!" <laughs> Not nothing, just nothing. <laughs> he just doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah maybe, maybe he just maybe he was just like, "Yeah, man, he's my friend. I brought him with me." <laughs> he's the reason they're in an outbreak out here. <laughs> this is Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on the fly? I, it's an unnecessary distraction in what is already uh, a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, with a president that is already trying to throw a election into uh, in, in into question, trying to throw everything into shambles and uh, make it so that if he doesn't win. Uh, he can try to say, well, it was a faulty election, blah, 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 blah. And then if he does win, be like, no, never mind. The election was fine. It's like, well, either it is a faulty election or it's not a faulty. Election. Well, to be fair, he also <laughs> he won the last election and was still like like two million people voted illegally. Like, I think he's just going to like rant and rave about yeah. something because it's all about people being against him in some way. Like that was a th- that's the other thing is like he said a preposterous two million people voted illegally. And he was like, and they're all from New York and California, which is 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 purely a red meat play at his base. Because, like, look, man, if there was some cabal of Democrats trying to, like, get a bunch of fake ballots, they'd be in Michigan and Pennsylvania. They wouldn't be Mm -hmm. in California, which hasn't I don't think they've elected like blatantly winning. Yeah, they're going to win anyway. Like, yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. To your point, Tim, it's never been about like anything within the realm of possibility it's just you know screaming and shouting at anything so in a time where we need the attentive where we need to be paying attention to details and we need substantive uh differences and things to latch on to it's just an unnecessary unne- like it's great biden is making smart moves it's a smart move that that fly swatter is selling out like he's sinking his teeth into the young base that has eaten this shit up. Like, he, it's it's not bad. He, it's he's Biden doing... sinking his teeth into the base. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, it's stupid, but also that's not a. He's smart for playing into that because it is getting him out there. It is getting attention and getting that young vote out there and getting that. And mm-hmm. bad publicity is still publicity. Yeah. And that's not even bad publicity. Like, it's. It's stupid, but it's getting him out there, which is also kind of what Trump does with his base, except it's him being a fucking idiot, in my personal opinion. <laughs> also, um, l- uh, let's just get this right real quick. Biden wouldn't sink his teeth at anything. He would put his nose into somebody's hair. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> his nose right into that fly's hair and sniffing it. He'd be like, mm, Mike, so you got I, that I just, fly out. <laughs> I just think it was unnecessary. And it seems to be taking over more of the conversation than it needs to. So rather than actually paying attention to the takeaways of the debate, which is a lot of eva- uh, avoiding questions and nothing really came out of this debate 
which is the same as what the other debate was, except for just less talking over each other than that. Yeah, that's the other thing is I, I will say that the the fly is only a bad distraction to the extent that um, like I, I don't we didn't I mean, you're not learning anything about these candidates at this point. I do think that the debate I think in a in a in a ideal world, the debates do hold an important point as far as like actually debating issues. Um, but I, I, you know, I think that sort of ship has sailed a little bit as far as substantive debate and substantive exchange of ideas. It's basically just exchanging talking points. There were there were more moments of of actual exchange of what are you going to do about this and people in Pence pressing Harris on, hey, you're going to are you going to pack the court or not? And Harris grilling Pence about his specifically his because he was the head of the task force, his handling of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit more of that. But to the extent that the fly <laughs> that the fly is a distraction, it's only to the point that you think that the debates are are substantive in the first place, which I think is they've, they've got some merit, but they're not as much as I think. They no, should. I think I think the town hall one, which unfortunately Trump is not going to nope. is is the most important one. Yeah, because you get to hear them directly interact with their constituents and i think that's the best that's the best one is yeah. because it's a little bit less them debating each other and more them talking to people and i think that's the most helpful for undecided people to be like okay it's easier to empathize with an issue when someone a person is asking it that's like not uh some random you know it's probably, yeah, it's not uh yeah Chris Wallace or yeah. uh, Susan Gray is that her name? Um, I don't remember. I can't remember her name. She is, uh, but she did um, a good job. She did fine. Yeah, she did. I mean, uh, I wish she would have pushed Pence. On, like, now, the one thing that bothered me about the way she did because I, I listen when people are just going to talk over you. There's only so much you can do. Like a lot of people are like, oh my god, this moderator is terrible because she was just doing thank you, Mr. Vice President, thank you, Mr. Vice President. But also, like, if people are just going to blatantly, if other adults are just going to blatantly disobey the rules, I don't know what you can do like yeah. whether you're whether you're chris wallace or whether you're you're uh, i'm gonna say susan gray again even though i'm not sure that's her yeah. name um but the one thing that i wish she did is at the end uh when she asked the question about the legitimacy of voting um and pence was just you know demurred and was like you know we're we're working in the courts right now to make sure that the the harris and and uh biden campaign don't change the rules at the last second i wish that instead uh that she had pressed him a little bit on like i need a direct answer from you if the president decides to not accept the results of the election. What will you do? Um, but instead, she turned over to a question by an eighth grader. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that that I wish she had done a little bit better. Otherwise, yeah. I think she did fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, any other thoughts on the fly or shall we move on? We can move on? Let's go. All righty. How do you show empathy? And did you feel any empathy this week? Sort of like asking, like, have you felt anything in the last seven days? <laughs> I try not to. Um, <laughs> hmm. That's that is an. I don't like. I'm so drained after the past seven months that like, I I I did feel a little bit of empathy a few times. I think. <laughs> <laughs> But, Once I but, scraped off the cobwebs of my heart, yeah, <laughs> then I yeah, like got the old empathy engine going. Like I got, I got a, a text message that um, my my essentially my grandfather he he doesn't have he doesn't have more than a week to live, oh, no. and so I was like, oh, that's a, I, I what I'm gonna say is going to sound mean, but I have zero relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, my thought was, oh, that's a bummer. 
give my grandmother a, a hug. Like mm-hmm. my thoughts were, that's a bummer. And then I was like, mm-hmm. sorry to hear that. Give my grandmother a hug. Mm-hmm. But like, I, and then hearing like about what's going on in Armenia and how like that, that area is pretty much just being blown up right now. I'm like, it fucking sucks. Explain like, what's going on in Armenia. I can't really explain it that way. I don't know too much. I just know that there's like some sort okay. of like all out civil war going on in that region. Mm-hmm. And dependent on generally they it's like it's known as two it's it has two separate names. I I don't know. Oh, the this two is the names. Azerbaijan thing. Okay. Yeah, 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 Azerbaijan, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. And so uh that's that's I'm like that sucks at like I'm like, man, that's a that's a bummer. But like yep. I'm just so drained that I really I I don't really know how to show empathy right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the tough part is like, I think there's, there's so much is going wrong that it's, it's very easy. And I've, I've certainly done this for, for a large swaths of the last seven months to just focus on like how to make, you know, my life, my wife's life better because Mm -hmm. it's just like, dude, there's just so much bad shit going on. It's just like sort of getting back to equilibrium as best as we can. Um, I think honestly, just, just listen, just listening to people vent, is, is one way to do it because I think especially now when you you're such, everybody has such limited social contact, just being able to unload a little bit um, and understand that like everybody sort of has that need to just unpack the backpack a little bit and and just you know being there and listening I think is a big big aspect mm-hmm. of it. So I think that's that's a way I've tried to show empathy in the past to whoever I've talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's hard now. It's it's very hard to do so. So uh, as far as have I felt empathy this week, I think I've, I've I mean, I felt empathy at times like it's it's easy to to see like, oh, boy, that sucks for X group of people when you read the news or something along those lines. If you read the news and you see, you know, oh, like the like, for example, when um uh, Trump said earlier this week, I don't want to, you know, we're, we're going to cease talks on the stimulus, uh, new a new round of stimulus money. You have a, a pang of empathy. Be like, oh, boy, that that sucks for, you know, anybody who's banking on that money who still, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't have work or, you know, struggling right now who has medical bills because they had COVID or something along those lines. So it's, I think you have pangs of that. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's about, that's all I got on that one. Mm. Tim, what about you? Uh, so kind of what you were saying, like in the past, the, the, the best thing you can do is listen. Not everyone is, uh, what a lot of people try to do is like, well, this is how I solve your problem. Not everyone is looking for a solution. Um, sometimes it helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they are looking for a solution. Sometimes they're looking for just a different perspective uh, or just a sounding board or just a... Uh, so, And it's hard. I mean, it's not hard for me to gauge what that is. Not necessarily. It depends on the person. I, it depends on the person. It depends what your relationship to them is, and it depends on what situation they're in. Uh, listening is how you figure out what they're after, uh, mm-hmm. honestly. So being being there, being available, and being open is the best thing you can do. Uh, yeah. I, I like to think I've been very good at that, uh, which is partially why when I was trying to figure out what to do for college, a lot of people suggested I go for psychology or therapy or something like that mm-hmm. uh, because – other people also uh, seem to think I was good at that. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's the strictest definition of empathy is, to your point, Tim, Not even if you're not – like empathy is I may not necessarily understand exactly what you're going through right now, 
but I still understand that it is painful for you. Like that's that's the the, the purest definition. It seems like you're you're you know you make a you make a point to try and exercise that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of why I didn't do it is how it works for me and why I think I, I'm relatively good with empathy is uh, I'm able to put myself in that person's shoes. And in addition to putting myself in that person's shoes, from their perspective, try to put myself in the other person's shoes. So now I'm in like three people's shoes. (laughs) Now I got so many shoes, don't know what's going on. Falling down the (laughs) stairs, too many shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. So not only am I able to help figure out how they're feeling, but able to figure out what is the perspective of the the other person that they're missing and help give a more complete sense of the picture. So the, um, which it's like, all right, well, you're pissed off because you think this person's being a dick. Any idea why? I mean, are they being a dick or are they just so much in their own head, in their own sadness, in their own hurt? Because they think that you, you're mad, which you're not, you are also sad. So you're both just super sad because you think the other person is pissed off at you talk to each other fucking damn it or just like <laughs> and more often than not it's just something as simple as that and then it's like oh cool we yeah. talk to each other turns out we're just both depressed and i was like ta-da <laughs> um so recently um empathy has not been my biggest thing uh turns out when your head feels like it's gonna explode it's really hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes <laughs> um why tim your the- head hurts not your feet <laughs> put, the, put those put those damn shoes on man it's a mental exercise man god damn it it's a figure of speech i got I, small feet i am picturing uh somebody stepping out as a patient of, of dr hansen as he's just going like talk to him you fucking moron that'll be two hundred dollars <laughs> and also a side prescription of learning some fucking math you fucking angry <laughs> tell that to um, everybody regardless of what they come in with the problem just learn some math so yeah, it's 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 all listening, keeping an open mind, and just remembering it's not always a solution. Sometimes you're just a sounding board. As far as this week, yeah, like I like I said, I can't think of anything this week, but just always be available, um, and just look for signs if somebody needs help. Mm-hmm. Sean, how do you show empathy? Um, I so I've learned similar to what Tim said. It's I think. Being empathetic is all about not trying to solve someone's problem generally. Like, I've learned to just say, you know, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was an episode, oh, there was an episode of uh, Parks and Rec in which I think Anne is pregnant and Chris is like, keeps trying to help her and she just wants someone to say, you know, it sucks that your feet hurt all the time. And that's that's all you need sometimes. You don't need yeah. someone to be like, all right, let me go run and get you an ottoman. It's just, yeah, that sucks, dog. Like that's mm-hmm. So I think for me, showing empathy is just being like, that sucks. Sometimes sharing a story where, you know, I was in a similar situation, not to, and being, I, I always try to be very clear when I do stuff like that, to be like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, Take, make it about you yeah i'm not trying to make it about me i just want you to know that you're not alone in this like yeah we like we both like with tim and his 
his head stuff. Like I also went through a situation where something was wrong with me. I didn't know what it was. So I know what that feels like and it sucks and that's it. And there's like, there's nothing you can do to help the person. It just sucks. That's the hardest boundary to like walk. Yeah. It is the like showing the relation, but trying to not make it about you. Exactly. Being on the receiving line of that. Like, like if you've ever been on the receiving side of that, you know that that sucks is when somebody's trying to help. And then it's like, well, this isn't about you. So it's like, no, yeah. knowing how much that feeling sucks. It's like, I, I know you need to know I'm here for you, but like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause it's also like, you know, do people want to know it's even excluding the want to make it by yourself. It's, it's like, do people want to hear, that everybody goes through this because it makes them easier. Or do people want to do you want to hear, boy, I've never heard of anything like that going on. Like, cause they, they, they want that individuality. They want people to understand like, Oh, this is, this is so bad. And if you say, Hey, someone else is, you know, I, people go through this or I've gone through it. Then it's like, well, no, you've never gone through it the way that I have. Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, that's tricky, but like you said, Tim, you listen, you know, it's you, you by listening, you learn what different people are looking for when they come to you with problems like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on empathy? Uh, what was the second part? Have I felt empathy this week? Uh, yeah. This week? Nope. Uh, <laughs> well, nah, I've been really, <laughs> I've been really in my feelings recently, so probably. But I think mm. honestly, one of the things that comes up a lot is when I see people, like when Trump got COVID, and then you talked about, well, are you? Or do you feel the same way about all the other people who were like flouting the guidelines and got COVID and died? Like when you see those posts that are like, it's like a guy will post like, you know, masks are for pussies. And then, yeah. and then the next post is his obituary because he died yeah. of COVID. And it's yeah. like, I honestly don't because I know like, and even like people marching at like, when you look at like white, like friggin' friggin' fascists, when you look at fascists, I can see how, like, as a white guy, I see how that happens. Like, it's, I I understand and I'm empathetic to feeling that kind of isolation and at the same time having everyone say a lot, most of the problems are because of people who are like you. Yeah. And you start to, you're like, no, I'm like a, like a poor, like a person, uh, like a poor person, a poor white person in the South having you you tell them like you're you are affected by white privilege i understand Mm -hmm. how that can make them very upset and feel like you're attacking them and go draw further away from you and like they it's easy i understand how they cannot see what you're saying as being uh trying to move towards a common goal and trying to other them like Mm -hmm. i get it so i i think that's where my empathy is coming in most recently it's just like i see these hyper conservative people and i know how it happens like yeah. i've seen i've i've gone through all of those moments where like if i were a little bit more sensitive i can see it going the other way like i could see myself or if i didn't meet the people i met you know you you surround yourself with a, if i had met different friends i mm-hmm. wouldn't feel the way i do about stuff yeah and so i think you know i don't feel bad for them because they're like what they're doing is bad mm-hmm. but i i understand how it happens you see the through I, line yeah, I wish I wish it could have gone differently, and so yeah, so you empathy for that, and, and now it's also easier to have empathy for individual people and like average mm-hmm. Joes to to for lack of a better word than for the the person in charge because the person in charge um, by f- like 
a lot of the flouting of masks is because there's a substantial portion of leadership in the United States who has been flouting masks and saying it's okay and saying I'm not listening to Dr. Fauci anymore and not to blame everything on the president um, because I think that it's a, a, there are deeper rooted issues. But like, look, man, uh, the reason I don't have as much empathy for Donald Trump as I do for the average guy who doesn't wear a mask and gets COVID is because Donald Trump is out there saying, look at these losers who wear masks. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, the behavior is derived from what leadership is telling them and what you know if if i'm an average dude who sees a politician that i respect say don't wear a mask i'll be like yeah fuck it i don't want to wear a mask you know i I, you can see that so absolutely you have more empathy for the average citizen than you do for you know the president or a senator Mm -hmm. or something like yeah and yeah yeah, they those people trust what's coming out of their lead like the leader leadership's mouth mouths and you know Mm -hmm. i i understand it sucks i it's it's sad that it led to what it did but yeah. 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 Our next question. Um, so I'm actually going to bounce around a little bit because we just did a thick and heavy one. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to uh, bounce a little bit. Oh, boy. Uh, what are you scared to try is next. What are you scared to try? A frontal lobotomy. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, take us into that. Are you scared to receive a frontal lobotomy or to administer a frontal lobotomy? Yes. The answer <laughs> should be yes. Mm-hmm. Would you also, uh, as a follow up, would you rather have a bottle in front of you than have a frontal lobotomy? It doesn't really work like if I say it like that. But. <laughs> no, it doesn't. If I were you, would you be saying uh, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than have a frontal lobotomy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what are you all scared to try? <laughs> Hmm. Uh huh. Scared to try. I I would have a fear. I would like to try, but I would. I am still scared to try, like skydiving. I was gonna say that too. I was like, yeah. "What am I afraid of?" Cause somebody I saw went skydiving recently, and I was like, "Man, mm-hmm. that sounds awful." Yeah, <laughs> like I want to <laughs> do it, but it sounds so terrifying. Because even sitting in like the window seat of an airplane, like as I'm going up, like I'm in, you know, and and in my head, I'm like, "This happens thousands of times a day." very rarely does something go wrong and i'm still looking out the wing and being like yo i could just like fall out like right now like it mm-hmm. could just happen and then i'd be dead because i fall to the earth like as, and as you're sending it just gets worse so being skydiving and knowing that it's just going higher and higher and higher and at some point you're just gonna jump out of there like that would be absolutely fucking terrifying no matter what kind of professional i had uh with me uh but it would also be cool to try <laughs> yeah um I am scared to try to switch careers. Ooh. That's what I'm scared of. Because like yeah. I don't really like what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but I'm making decent money and like having the kind of stability for my family is really important. So trying to like to be like cuz I've been at my job for a long time and so like I have I kind of have seniority so I'm not super scared of like losing it but at the same time like but right now shit's so crazy like like you yeah. don't know what could happen so i feel like if i were to switch careers now i don't know like i could just like unfortunately rich you're kind of what i'm talking about where you got a job and then immediately it was like just kidding yeah you know we yeah. like that's exactly. that kind of shit is happening right now and so it's scary to be like i don't want to do what i'm doing but i can't stop doing this job because I don't know that I'll be able to get another job and keep it for as long as I've been in this one. Mm -hmm. So it's scary. Yeah. 
this is the stable job is is stable until it's not like exactly. it's yeah. it's that's sort of, that's sort of the unfortunate fact and like you know and, and but and when you're switching careers you know there is you know you you lose that that standing that comfort level mm-hmm. you know that, that's definitely it, it could be something that's immensely beneficial for your your well-being and for your family's well-being and everything like that but still scary mm-hmm. yeah i've still carries I've, been, risk. I've been wanting to try to change careers for the past like four or five years but like i just i can't afford to because i know whatever i go to i'm taking a pay cut mm-hmm. like that's a definite and i make ends i like i i get by paycheck to paycheck right now if any if it goes any lower i don't i don't know what i'd be able to do so yeah i i, I completely understand that mm-hmm. um for me though uh, it's, um, dating during the apocalypse right now. <laughs> like I, I'm going to be a hundred percent, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. Uh, I, I honestly wasn't expecting this to last six months or seven months. I, I was hoping we'd have some sort of better handle on this within four months at first i thought you were talking about a relationship that you no 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 i was not expecting this to go six months but we don't have a full handle on this right now (laughs) no like i was i was hoping like quarantine like wouldn't be over but like it would be less frightening to go out and do things Mm. like after like four or five months yeah and i'm gonna be totally honest like after seven months i'm just fucking lonely even with two people living in my house (laughs) sure i'm just Uh Like and and so I've started getting back on the dating sites and there's mm-hmm. a, there's one or two people I'm talking to but I'm like mm-hmm. I don't want to actually like do I go out and meet them like how do I date during the like this is just fucking scary because mm-hmm. I make one mistake or not even a mistake it might be a good move to go see this person mm-hmm. but then I could potentially also have COVID after being super safe for the past seven months it's just mm-hmm. it, it's. I, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's scary to think about, but at the same time, I'm like, I've gone seven months without really any human contact. Mm-hmm. I need human contact. Yeah. <laughs> I, of, of for, to... the, for the for the listeners who can't see, Rich is putting human contact in, in obvious air quotes. No. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, I mean, this is it's a, this is one of those things where you have to do kind of an analysis where so covid would be very bad to get but is it i know we can we can debate about this or whatever but like is it worse for you and your mental state to be like i'm not gonna go out you know what i mean like yeah yeah is like covid is very bad but is it like in terms of you we we have to take into account our mental health too like that's yeah. also important, and if you're completely neg- neglecting that for the coronavirus, that can also be an issue. So it sucks. I think you just have to be very careful. Apparently, you just you should try a virtual date, according to what am I reading? <laughs> NPR. Uh, and then when you like, if you're going to go out with somebody, you should just ask them what they're doing. Like, what are the precautions they're taking, and yeah. then check how the transmission rates are in the where you are and then if you end up getting intimate you should uh have them and yourself take a test first uh, yeah I, like i it yeah i i will i like it's just, well, it sucks though because that's a bunch of weird restrictions that i didn't have to deal with yeah 
<laughs> yeah. These but, are weird questions for weird times. Yeah. But yeah. The, the funny thing yeah. about the whole dating uh, under quarantine is when this mm. all started, I think, like, the New York, like, Health Association set out rules of, like, if you're going to do this stuff, here's what you should do. And one of their the rules, and one of the rules, rules were don't yeah. do it, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, one of the like it wasn't rules; it was guidelines. One of them was a glory hole. The other one was oral only, mm. no kissing or anything. Just oh, that's oral. Right. New York did it. <laughs> they did they the glory hole guidelines. Killing it. <laughs> that was like uh, all over Reddit when they came out. I yeah. Thought it was hilarious. Oh my god. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Rich, just always remember to use protection. And by that, I mean a full hazmat suit and a heat shield. <laughs> you know, you know what? I, I I could probably figure some way out to do that. Hazmat suit's probably not too expensive. The less detail you provide about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> the glory hole and a heat shield. <laughs> Tim, what are you um, afraid to try, scared to try? I mean, Sean's changing careers thing is uh, probably a good one. Uh, I was I was kind of pondering that, <laughs> as per our Facebook group uh, conversation, I'm practically daring them to fire me at work with my unprofessionalism a little bit. Um, do, apparently, doing like the on scratching my eye with my middle finger move is uh, not a good look. Hmm. Every day. Um, <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, I know, right? Um, but like, I mean, with my putting up with people's bullshit on like a normal day is one thing like at doing that with constant head pain for three plus months is like you, your ability to put up a bullshit just like just gets knocked down every day mm-hmm. um so that that's like healthcare, having a job all like eh, all these things are kind of like up in the air so that's a concern but the first thing that popped into my head like i'm all for trying new things fear is fear of trying new things is not really up there for me it's usually just kind of like a when do i have time how do i do this does this require money um it's uh or how do i do this safely that's usually the big thing uh the only thing and most most things are not off limits it's more so just of a, a general interest like Mm-hmm. Uh, certain things do not go in certain orifices for me. That's just not an interest for me. Uh, not yep. because I'm afraid. It's just not my uh, not on my uh, interest list. But um, coke, cokes. I I I'm, I'm interested in what that would do to me, but I am afraid of what that would do because <laughs> I don't necessarily want to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Cocaine, baby. <laughs> you got skydiving, career chains, and hard drugs. Oh, hard drugs. I, I, I'm, I'm skydiving. I'm all for it, and I've like had so yeah. many like opportunities that somehow like just fell through. I'm yeah. not afraid of it. I like. I'm super excited, and I would love to do it. And I just, yeah, have not done it. But like, mm-hmm. coke is, and I've. So it's interesting because like my, mine was like a like a conquering of fear. Like I'm scared to do it, but I'm looking to conquer it. And yours is just like I'm terrified to do it for very valid reasons, and they're outlined <laughs> extensively. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, it's illegal. I'm like, eh, I mean, <laughs> well, there's there's a list of things uh, uh, that have happened. If you're listening to this show at this point, we've already discussed alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk offline about other things. Um, <laughs> 
the legality at this point i i don't particularly care uh at this point i i i enjoy trying things Mm -hmm. uh experience experiences in life you can't really judge things if you've never experienced them um uh and that that that's kind of it for me okay um so it's just kind of like i i want to know just for the sake of knowing okay uh, but co- Coke is one of those things that it's just like, um, I mean, all it takes is one and that'll, uh, I mean, I'm not going to kill heroin or heroin is not one of those things that I will, uh, try because that involves hypodermic needles and all that. That's a, that's, a, that's a bit much for me. So I'm not going to go that far, but like, uh, yep. Nothing in the okay. arms or up the nose. Just like my daddy said. Nah. <laughs> Uh, so on, on to our next question, um, how can you best support someone experiencing depression? <laughs> Did Martha send this question? Yeah, I also is, feel uh, very called out by this question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm texting Martha. I feel like she sent this in via gorilla mail. Yeah, do you? Exa- yeah, there are no names attached to this question, uh, but how can you best support someone who is experiencing depression? Hmm. I think the first thing is understanding it takes all forms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's there's forms of depression where you are just mopey and sad. There's forms of depression where you are just sort of numb and you know, sort of a- impersonal when you're you're with people, or you. And, and there are times when you experience multiple forms at once. You can experience super high highs when you're in public, and then you experience super low lows. Like I've I've absolutely had moments when I've been in social situations where I'm feeling great, and then all at once I'll just be like. Oh, like the the like the like the the good the the dopamine's gone. Like all of it is gone, and it's just like ah oh, crap. So um, so mm-hmm. understanding that it takes all forms, and you know, being as you know, be you just just again, we we talked a little bit about it in the empathy question is just letting people know that you are there for them and what they need. Um, because some people, you know, some people want to be left alone, and some people you know, want to be pushed a little bit, even if they're fronting to be left alone. And it's mm-hmm. sort of just figuring out, you know, by learning, by listening, by paying attention, and maybe by learning about it a bit yourself on your own time, like then then you learn how to be a better friend and learn how to cope with that. So I think I think just just knowing that there's a variety of ways that it that it that it uh manifests in people, I think is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And and sort of being being flexible as a human being and as a friend. Yeah. I think the hardest thing to do is when someone is experiencing depression and and legitimately just wants to be left alone. Like from experience, like a lot of times I just don't want, like, I just need to turn my brain off, not talk to anyone, like play a video game or something like just need, I just need to be, I need to be left alone because I can't handle anything at it, like mm-hmm. at all. And so I know it's really hard as a person trying to support someone else in that in that situation to not to because you want to be active you want to be like let me help mm-hmm. you and it's like yeah. some, like there is nothing you can't fix brain chemistry so sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to let it play out and then i think the most important thing is just letting that person know like you said that you're there for them and that that when a person when you're is ready. feeling depressed that yeah that they're that's okay too. Like you're allowed to feel that way and it's, it's fine. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. you're not, that person isn't negatively impacting any of the relationships that they have. Cause I know that's a problem for me is feeling that way. Like I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm like when I'm neglecting friends and stuff that it's like, 
And I know we have other friends I've talked to who feel the same way and they're, they feel bad because they're not upholding their, they feel like they're not doing the heavy lifting. But most of the time I know from my perspective, I get it and it's fine. Like I'm okay coming in. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't talk to a friend for a while and they're like, sorry, I was depressed. I, I couldn't get out. It's like, okay, that's fine. I understand. It happens. I don't, I, I never hold that against, I never hold lack of, con- lack of communication against anyone. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that, and that that plays to my point specifically because, like, my point of like it, it comes in all forms and takes all kinds with the depression thing. Because what you're what you have is like I need to be alone. Like I know mm-hmm. because of my experience, you you're saying I know because of what I've dealt, dealt with this before that I need to be alone. And what's interesting is I've seen a lot of people who are like that. I we have friends who are like that. And mm-hmm. for me, it, when 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 bouts of this come up, I'm very much a if I do that, like I say, I, like almost like I'm fronting a little bit, like I want to be alone, but like mm-hmm. that just makes it worse for me, like to not right. have that social interaction. Like I'm almost fronting Feed a little beast. bit. Yeah, yeah, you're feeding the beast because it's like it feels good to be isolated, but it actually <laughs> it only feels good in like a spiteful way for me. Yeah. Like it's only, like uh, I'm just like, I'm going to show all of you, but like you're just <laughs> showing yourself because you're you're alone and <laughs> you're alone when you're depressed and it sucks. So uh, so my, my wife is my God bless her. Uh, when I when I've had experiences like this, she gives me like a few. She gives me a little bit of time and then it's like, OK, hold on. How about we you know, let's let's, let's, let's try this. Why don't, we, why don't we try this going out? And let's let's hang out with some friends or like we'll go upstairs and do this or something like that. And, you know, and that that helps. So it. it Again, it, it takes all kinds. Some people you need to to pry a little bit out of their cave, and some people you need to leave in for a little bit just to give them their space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's, Tim. it's also something like it, one the you you listening to the that person and um and and trying to feel it out for yourself is one part of it, but that person also has to figure it out, figure out what works for them too. Absolutely, Be- because if they don't know how their own depression affects them and what like you said you're you're kind of fronting for yourself a little bit Mm -hmm. uh so you are isolating yourself whether you know that that is what you need or what you want or whether it's like you're doing that because you think that's what you need but that's actually making it worse but you don't think that's making it worse you just think your depression is that bad at that point like Mm -hmm. you have no idea Mm -hmm. so it's you you so if you tell the person, no, I just need to be left alone, and mm-hmm. they are listening, and they are empathizing with you, and they are hearing that, mm-hmm. and they are thinking they are helping you, but turns out they're not. Like, So it, it's rough. There is, no, there is no one answer, and it mm-hmm. is an evolving, an evolving thing because my depression um, 10 years ago is not the same depression I have now. Like, For sure. Mm-hmm. Not even close. So mm-hmm. listen yeah. the best you can. Uh, and, and think like if you notice something is different and the person is saying, no, I'm not even going to say that. Just listen. If you think something is weird, it very well could be. Don't be too forceful because ultimately that ends up, uh, not ultimately it, it very well could backfire. That's the big thing is pushing a little bit can help, Mm -hmm. but if you push too hard, that can be very bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rich, what are your thoughts? Uh, it You guys pretty much like hit the nail on the head. Like pay attention to who it is, pay attention to them, reach out to them. Um, but if they don't, 
if like like you said if they if they're wanting space give them space but at the same time like try to understand what you think might be like not think might be best for them but like in the instance of you matt you're, you're saying how jenna like when you get into that space she'll like she'll give you the space but she'll come in at some point and like try to push you to get out of that space by like bringing you out or whatever like mm-hmm. try to like i like try to entice them into doing things and getting them out of their own head and it's a bit kind of a guess of. and check like, a little bit yeah like it's sort of a you know you're Absolutely. never yeah it's, it's 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 you're not a bad friend because like if you if you're friends with somebody and they're experiencing a depressive episode and it's one of the first times you've experienced it um alongside them a bit you know if you come to them and say like well how about you try you know come out with us and then they like resist resist you're not a bad friend because you guessed wrong at the beginning like you're you're Mm -hmm. you're that's part of the development of your relationship with them so then you learn from that and it's like okay well maybe i'll try something else maybe i'll I'll hang back a little bit maybe i'll just say hey here's uh you know when you're ready we can do this or when you're ready like you you it's sort of a trial and error thing as the friend and that does not make you it just it's part of the work that you put into a relationship Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, and like, I know for me, when I get in that headspace, like, where I'm like, I just, I want to shut down, I want to be alone, I just want to watch TV or play games, the one thing that helps me is people sending me messages that I don't have to respond to, like, sending me a meme, or sending me, like, just, like, hey, just how you doing, but them hopefully understanding that if I don't get back to them for a day, I was in a bad space, but I really did appreciate that message, like, I probably saw it, but just really wasn't in the space to, to, to conversate with it. But I did appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good. Excellent. No. Uh, and also, there's nothing wrong with seeking professional help. And Absolutely. If, mm-hmm. And yep. if if you cannot help your friend, there's that. that's okay. You are not necessarily a professional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some things that cannot be helped. That that are beyond your capabilities. You yeah, are just a you're just a human, and you are not a. Yeah, there, my, there's nothing wrong with that. I think my therapist has put it better. Like when she she's mentioned this to me, is like you can care for somebody, but you can't take care of somebody. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And if if you have someone that you think you can't help, and you think they need help, like professionally, don't suggest it a lot or often. Like maybe once ever. Don't push them to do something they're not ready to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, yes, like Matt said, you can't be, you don't, you can't be responsible for someone else's mental health at a certain point. At a certain yeah. point, you have to not wipe, like kind of wash your hands of it, but be like, you have to be okay with not being able to get through to some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this or shall we move on? We can move on. All right. Let's see. Since we're on the subject of mental health, we have a question here that says, should students get mental health days off from school? Yes. Yeah. Totes. Yeah. I rem- sure. So I remember one time I was in I was in high school. I don't remember what it – I don't remember what it was. It was just – I don't remember what had happened, and I don't remember what year it was, but I remember driving to school, and I just had like a breakdown. My mom was driving me to school – for some reason, I don't. I, I feel like I was old enough to drive myself, but it was just like a weird morning, and I just remember having a full-on breakdown in the car. Like I was like, I started crying. I didn't know. I was just like so overwhelmed with everything, and I, I'm pretty sure in that moment, my mom was like, "Do you not want to go today?" And I was like, 
I ended up going to school because like yeah. I I I wanted like I I didn't I was just like I think I'm okay. But she like pulled over. I like got it all out, and then I went to school and I had an okay day. But it was just like like having that option when it's just like when everything because you're just a fucking ball of hormones in high school. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what the fuck is going on. So having that option to be like, I, and I know there are kids who would take advantage of it and be like, I just don't feel like going to school today. But like, there are definitely, there were definitely times when I would have benefited from just being like, and I do that now when I'm like, you know what? I can't go to work today. Like, I just can't do it. I'm just going to take the day. It's going to be a wash. I'm going to do nothing all day. And then I'll come back refresh the next day and be able to like attack the day and mm-hmm. be there and be present and be effective so I think, yes, I think students should definitely have like, an, I think in the same way you take sick days, it should, they should it should, we should be okay with kids being like, I'm not mentally feeling okay. And if it becomes a, like a constant thing, there's obviously something a little bit, there's something deeper going on, but like, we should be able to, you know, get that, get that little bit of help sometimes, get that yeah. little reset day. There's, That's there's... fine. There's a reason why companies offer sick time, personal time, and vacation time. Mm-hmm. And schools should do essentially the same, uh, probably minus a vacation time, but that, mm-hmm. but they should offer sick days and personal days. I'm picturing like a 10th grader walking up to the principal and being like, yeah, I'm going to just call out for the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> Using that paid time off. Thanks much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And, and listen, the word that... The, if we're going to use the terminology mental health, well, a sick day, if you're, if you have mental health then you have mental sickness mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm depressed or anxious all the time. It just could mean like, yo, I've, there's too much shit happening or there's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just mentally, I'm not in that headspace. So if you can get a cold and you take a sick day for that, then if you're just beaten down, especially with the, like, you know, it's been years since, since any of us have been in high school, but, but like, you know, the, the pressure that people are under be like, you have to do every club, you have to do a billion, mm-hmm. you know, advanced courses or AP courses or what have you. You got to do, you know, if you're not going to be in, a, in an honors course, then you need to be doing six different clubs. You make sure you get into a good college so you can do it. You're throwing a lot on, on kids from ages like 14 to 18. You know, you're not mm-hmm. fully as, as to your point, Sean, you're a ball of hormones. You're a ball of emotions. A lot of shit's changing all at once, you know allow that to be counted towards i don't know if you necessarily as a school need to put a stamp on it be like these are your five sick days and your five personal days or something mm-hmm. or your, your your mental health days just be you know make it clear at the beginning like hey mental health is a concern for us if you're not feeling it you can use this and it counts as one of your like sick absences or something along yeah those lines. I, I well i would think that from the school's perspective it should just be blanket sick days i think this is this would sure. be more for parents to be like mm. to, to have your kid be willing to come to you and say, you know, I'm not sick, but I don't think I can go to school today, and just being like, okay, mm. I understand. Yeah. Let's. Are, is there anything I can do for you? And then moving on because yeah. I, I don't. I think from the school's perspective, just being like, just having the awareness and maybe, you know, telling kids like you said, being like, you can take a sick day if you're just not feeling mentally okay, but. Right. Just because the school doesn't need to know if you're, you know, if you're just all you can do for a day is just be sad. You know? yeah. They don't need to know. It doesn't matter to them. They're just not going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Tim, mental health days. Absolutely. Boom. I mean, that's Boom. it. You guys, you guys have hit all the points. They yeah. don't give a fuck why you're not there. You're just mm-hmm. not there. Yeah. 
you're just not there. It's just, it's all the same. If you're at Disney World or if you're just in bed watching uh, Plaza Sesamo, uh, which, Plaza is, Sesamo. which is what came on when I took a mental health day when I was like in third grade, <laughs> then uh, it does not matter. You're just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question. Uh, and uh, okay, so this is a little bit of complex thought here, a little bit of a heavier uh, political topic. <laughs> Sean looks like he just got uppercutted by the question. <laughs> like it's a heavy one. Boom! This has been a heavy session so far. It really man. has. Uh, so this question: Does the United States owe reparations to the descendants of enslaved people? And you'll notice I was doing the as I was doing it. I, I just realized I was doing the like the Donald Trump like okay sign like I, as I was talking. That was not intentional. That is not uh, a, a Freudian slip of my opinion on reparations. Matt, you fired. <laughs> no reparations. No. So, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps like I did. You're all hearing it. You know. Anyway. So um, we we all got the email for this question, and this question specifically has a link. It sure does. And oh, I, so, I deleted the email so I wouldn't read ahead. It, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, so I read. So committed to the integrity of the show. I read. I did read the link. Uh, I did read that article, and it's basically uh, it's just people's opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, did you know? I didn't know until I read the article that we, uh, America. Um, I think Reagan signed into law. Mm-hmm. He signed in, he allowed, um, or he formally apologized for interning Japanese Americans during world war two. And I think every family got like $80,000, $20,000 maybe. Or yeah. something like oh, that. So, Which, so there's precedence for it. There is precedent for reparations. Which I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, good call, Ronald Reagan, uh, <laughs> for, for reparations for having a literal concentration camp in this country. Yeah. Good call. So, so there's precedence. It's just because it was a smaller scale. Yeah, I think it's it's it doesn't make sense. And there there are to be clear a lot of varying opinions on this. You know, a lot of black people. There are black people who don't believe their reparations are due to them. Um, I think, I think reparations are the easiest way to reset the systemic racism clock. In quotes. Like that would be the, I think, fastest way. I don't know because white people have been able to build generational wealth that black people haven't because black people were enslaved for a time when white people were able to generate that wealth. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so yeah. complex. I, I'd be more interested in how the numbers actually actually ha- hash out. Yes, we have systemic racism. I feel like a lot of the generational wealth is very specifically uh, in... in 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 like the top of the, the top of the top of the white families, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that's that. what that it, 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 in those huge. I, I I'm just trying to see like that's I don't think that's gonna break the system, or uh, I I don't think that's gonna fix the system. I yeah. think something needs to be done. Do I think this is gonna help a lot of families out? Yes, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think it's a stopgap. That's just going to get us so far. Yeah. And then at a certain point down the line, we're going to end up more or less back where we're at now. Yeah. Do I, I think I, that means that nothing should be done. No, I don't think that nothing should be done, but I just don't know how. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, how are we going to figure out how much money happens? Like the, the, the only, the only thing like the precedence of, uh reagan and this happening with the the japanese family is like okay this is happening now 
these are the like we have a specific list of these are the families that were directly affected whereas now it's like clearly we have hundreds of hundreds of years and like whereas this was the group we started with now it's all gone mm-hmm. and like game theory here is how everything is dwindled out now we have uh not exponential growth but, but geometric growth and so it's just like how do we it, at that point it becomes a numbers game like mm-hmm. i said i'm not saying nothing should be done i'm just not sure how do we how do we math that out what's the most effective and, way of, of getting the best what's the most yeah, effective way of doing the greatest good is because i like. could full disclosure mary is part of a reparations group and the work that they do is very important but mm-hmm. also I feel that a lot of the stuff they're doing is just band-aids because if you're only, I think reparations kind of the idea that it's, it's, we had a question like this a long time ago where it was like, does the name def, like, does the name defund the police bring, mm-hmm. like, does that hurt the cause? And I think in this case, when I think reparations, I only think of monetary reparations and I think, yeah. like Tim said, it's just a band-aid. Like, you give every black family in America a million dollars even, like, that will help a lot of people, but it doesn't change all of the things that are wrong with the country. Like, that's not going to fix police brutality. Like, it's just now you're getting rich black people killed, you know? it's yeah. it's So it's like, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know. There's so much more about this country that needs to get fixed besides reparations and i'm not saying that you shouldn't also do that but it's mm-hmm. so complex yeah well, that's, that's kind of where i'm at with it and that's the kind of the interesting part about like when when you saw the the defund the police argument um you know because similar to you sean when the word reparations like i know that there's there's a lot of of you know literature and a lot of thought that's going into this but the first thought that comes to mind is like oh we're just gonna send everybody a check like mm-hmm. we're just going to send every family a check, um, which which may or may not be the best way to go about it, to Tim's point. But one of the big thing, one of the big arguments of defunding the police is, well, hey, we could reallocate these massive police budgets and put them towards, you know, community reinvestment initiatives. We could use, uh, you know, we could use them for for mental health facilities. We could use them to to rebuild communities, rebuild schools, rebuild, you know, infrastructure in these communities, things like that. And that, I think, is another form of, of reparations, which is taking money. Uh, that is already allocated for something that I think a lot of the country is now coming to terms with the fact that maybe we don't need to be giving the police as much money as they get. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can reallocate that money towards reinvesting in uh, communities that are that are impacting communities that you would be giving reparations checks to, 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 to black communities. So mm-hmm. perhaps that is another form of reparations that is not just like, here's your monthly check. Um, I also don't know if that's the best way of going about things, but I think that's another method of doing it where you might be yeah. impacting communities for the foreseeable future because, A, you're, you know, to your point, Sean, you're taking money away from the police, which is, has systemic, has historically been, you know, very uh, brutal towards minorities, mm-hmm. and you're using it to better, uh, to, to better community, to better black communities. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich, what are your thoughts on the reparations debate? this question is so far above like my <laughs> my mental pay grade right now honestly that, like, are all of ours all like, of ours. like you, you guys you guys I, I agree with every with everything all three of you had said like when i initially read the question and saw the question and heard it i was like uh like but like uh monetary reparations monetary payments uh, and like I agree with the uh, what Tim was saying about how when he, when they when we did it with the 
Asian Americans and the Japanese Americans that were interned, it was like it was within that generational thing. And as you guys were talking, I was thinking about it, like, at least over the past 250, 300 years, like, there have been how many generations? It's going to be so far spread that these people, their ancestors were, um, were, were enslaved that, like, logistically, I, I don't know how you would go around doing it, but I do agree that it should be done in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, if you, it's, it's hard because I think if you were to just be like, all right, how many, like your ancestors, cause you'd have to be like, all right, your specific ancestors, how long were they enslaved? How many of them were enslaved? So what is that? Like, what are you do? And I honestly think that would end up being not that much money. You know no, what I it, mean? It's but- going to end up being like the Penny Arcade class action lawsuit where everyone got 55 cents or something like yeah. that. Like, so, and like, then if, how do we go through everybody's lineage to find yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, under it's, all of this? And then you become yeah, like, well, my family. Fa- oh, never mind. You came from Europe, so you're not even part of this. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know that like you get one expose into like how did this government bureau determine this family was more deserving of reparations than another family. Yeah. I think you're opening up a, a huge liability yeah. concern. So, there. so I like, I agree with like putting it into communities more so than specific mm. families, but like, this is just something that I would love to do a lot more research into and look into and yeah, like support well, groups like what Mary is working with in order yeah. to, well that those, those, uh, according to the article, that uh, Germany since 1952 has paid $70 billion in reparations through various programs. And that includes giving just direct money to people who are in concentration camps, giving them pensions for the time that they worked in the concentration camps. But they also give money to uh, like homes for people like older people who were survivors. Like uh, they're, I think they basically go to like care homes for free, but they also go to other stuff like research, education, and documentation. I think that's where it comes in. Like Matt, I think rather than on or even on top of giving directly to the families, just investing in the communities where black people live and being mm-hmm. like, here are some, here are some resources right. to help you to help kind of alleviate some of the, uh, the, the head start that other people were given that you weren't. And in this article that, uh, that Mary sent us, which I, I have to give her uh, a ton of credit because Mary accompanied this article to us, but it appears to be an article written for students ages 13 and up, which is really <laughs> much directly God. on right our, our, our comprehension exactly. level as far as a complex subject like this. Um, the the idea of like reinvesting in, in communities is, is cited. So there's a, a law professor from University of San Diego named Roy Brooks who, who calls this the atonement model as opposed to um, – what he calls the settlement model, which is the sending people checks and looking back at their lineage to compensate, you know, mm-hmm. compensate victims of, of, of slavery. Um, what he calls the atonement model is uh, quote, emphasizing longer term investments in education, housing, and businesses that build up wealth. So there, that there's, there's competing ideologies here as far mm-hmm. as, and, and I, and I like that idea because it, it's, I, I, again, my rudimentary understanding, it seems, it seems a little less messy as far as like trying to like, go back, put a monetary value. Like it, it seems weird to put a monetary value on an individual family suffering. Um, mm-hmm. But also this, this isn't, you know, my, my cross to bear as it were. So yeah. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, so uh, any other thoughts on reparations? No. We have one more question, folks. 
Um, and uh, that question is, of course, uh, the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. It's the Antiques Roadshow guessing game. Roadshow. I thought you literally meant that was the question. <laughs> no, <that'd> be... <laughs> no, yeah, the, the last one's going to be like, who is the best president and why? Uh, no. Um, so it's the Antiques Roadshow guessing game, ladies and gentlemen. So open the envelope. We all know how to play this game. We check out this envelope. We look at uh, an or an email. We look at the picture of an item that was appraised on the Antiques Roadshow, the fine uh, PBS program. Uh, we try to figure out what it is, what it does, and how much it's worth. And then we uh, we read a little, little scripty from the mm-hmm. show and find out what it is. So, uh, Sean, what are we looking at in this picture? <laughs> These look like keychains. They look very small. Um, they look like they look like keychain music boxes or okay. timepieces. I'm going to say music boxes because there is no way that you could read time on any of these it looks like a christmas tree a ballerina there's like a heart this looks like a man at a bar there's a hula person and i can't see the two the two ones in the back are out of focus but it looks like tiny music boxes but like the tiniest music boxes they, oh, they maybe... almost look like they're like pre-pandora pandora charms yeah that that's... or like a necklace charm i can't or a bracelet charm mm-hmm. that's what i was thinking like they because are they... their charm rings because <clears throat> they the 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 top the top clearly the top of the the bases are all the same the the frame rings are the Mm-hmm. frame loops are all pretty much the same the insides are what's different and sean described like the christmas tree the ballerina blah 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 blah. and then the top has that ring and then some of them um have like that classic like thin loop that you would clip to like a necklace of sorts mm-hmm. so these are all clearly jewelry charms of some sort clearly from the same series yeah yeah um yeah the question i wonder if they're if I don't think they're earrings. I, my initial instinct is that they're not earrings because I'm not seeing like matching pairs, but also oh, yeah, no. maybe, maybe they just yeah. put them out. I'm thinking they're from like some necklace series. Yeah, they also look kind of heavy bracelets. earrings. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe save a necklace. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with you, Tim. I think this is from a necklace of some sort because I, 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 they seem too jangly to be fitting around a fitting around your wrist, but I feel like you could, you could drape them around yeah. your Yeah, unfortunately, there's no like scale... Yeah, yeah. it could be any size from like the size of a quarter to like the size of a half dollar. They look just, small, but I don't know. I just love how it's like one's a hula person, one's a ballerina, one's a Christmas for all for special occasions, and one's somebody sitting at a bar. It's, yeah, <laughs> dude at a bar. And then the two in the back are out of focus, so like I I have no frame of reference of what they they are. Yeah, but the one almost looks like it has a flag in the foreground. So like, is it a is it a boat? Or is it like a beach? Yeah. Like I, I have no fucking clue. Maybe a yeah, bed but they look of some sort. Like yeah, I was thinking bed for the one on the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, but they like like with the hula girl in the bar thing. They look like gaudy. Like they don't mm-hmm. look. I wouldn't say yeah, they're, they're like fine art. They're they're definitely Pandora charms. Like you think they're like sterling silver, or like tarnished white gold? Maybe. Maybe yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking tarnished white gold. Okay. Okay. Nah. Sterling silver nah. would be a weird thing to bring in. Like, <laughs> so you're like, oh, I bought these at Kohl's. Uh, <laughs> I bought so them for it, my it, high it school just girlfriend. Seems like it's not the right color for sterling silver, but I, I yeah. could be wrong. I have no idea. So, How much what do you think are we these, thinking? Uh, Johns are worth. Yeah. I'm gonna go twelve hundo just 
fucking I have I have no idea. Twelve hundred for the important? full set. I have no idea. It's yeah, full set for the set. Yeah, it's full set, but two of them are missing their little rings mm. that you'd like attached to the necklace. Yeah, so, the, the the ballerina and the out of focus one on the yeah. left is missing. It's so right. I'm gonna and I'm gonna say they're probably from like the fifties, and they yeah. are. It's probably the full set, and they are. I'm gonna say what do you say twelve hundred? I'm gonna say three thousand dollars for all of these. I'm going two grand, and I agree with you, Sean. I don't think these are any older than like fifty or sixty years old. Yeah, they seem that style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go at 5,500 just because they're probably all handmade. Hmm, eh, it could be. Hmm. It could be, yeah. I mean, this could be like a Dickens Village situation, too. Mm-hmm. Like some of those like old collectibles. All right, we got a script as well. Who wants to be the guest and who wants to be the appraiser in the Brose Players this week? Um, I'll be the guest. I'll be the appraiser. All right. Get on in there. So Rich is the guest. Sean is the appraiser. And action. Well, my aunt, when she passed, left a few things, and each of her nieces and nephews were allowed to select some things. I love them because they, they're mechanical. And you wind them, what? And then different things happen in each, each one of them. Uh, so that was why I always been fascinated by them and just wanted to know a little bit more. They're made by Henry Danker and Sons. They were a family that escaped Nazi Hungary. Oh, wow. Reestablished in the New York jewelry market in the 50s and filed a patent for these in 1965. Which is your favorite? You know, I kind of love the heart, which goes up and down when you wind it. Can you show me how it works? And oh. then? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> wow. And this one, I think, has the most motion in it with the with the horses. It's a great collection that's enough to make an instant bracelet for somebody. <laughs> and if they were coming to auction, I believe they would do an auction estimate of four to $8,000. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. Thanks, Aunt Alice. That's great. <laughs> that's what a disgrace. Great. What a disgrace. <laughs> four to $8,000. $8, wow. Get out. All right, so they're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're mechanical. They're mechanical. Are they toys? They're just mechanical like ornaments. So I, so I guess they are for bracelets. So yeah. if you if you look on the sides yeah. and they're in different little spots, there are little like little winding wheels. Mm-hmm. So like for the ballerina, it's on the left. On the heart, it's on yeah. the right. Yeah, that's why on I thought the they bar, were music the boxes. So and the one with the flag is the one with the horses. So like it, it's like supposed to be a little horse track kind of thing mm-hmm. like there's like things at the at the on the boardwalk that you shoot the water at they, yeah they go, more or less yeah and and the wheel for that's on the right so did, did they i i guess they're little mechanical bracelet charm yeah. things but i don't know because it didn't actually say what the f they were <laughs> well they're uh yeah. they're an uppy and a downy that goes up and then down <laughs> when you turn what, it like what, this and that what it said is that i want it did. Yeah. It did say that you won. Yeah, congratulations, Rich. You got this this disgracefully bid uh, for the eight thousand uh, dollar collection of charms. Uh, <laughs> you've, you've really outdone yourself this week. Great job, bud. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, so those are all our questions for this week. Uh, we've gone very long, so I'm just going to close on a super fast and super lighthearted take, which is the Tennessee Titans. Get your fucking shit together, man. Uh, I'm really tired. What the hell tired is going on? 
Dude, you, you <laughs> dumb motherfuckers. You keep getting this, the the only thing you were asked to do is work less. The Tennessee Titans have had one game postponed and a second game delayed by like two days because they keep testing positive for COVID-19. Stop and listen, getting COVID. Stop getting COVID. I know it's hard. <laughs> I know there's a lot to do in Nashville. You want to go out to Broadway. You want to go to the honky tonk bars. I know Ryan Tannehill's <laughs> out there trying to do like covers of shimmer by fuel at the karaoke bar somewhere in the middle of town but please jesus just stay inside the reason you keep getting covid is because you keep getting it keeps getting found out that you guys have like workouts when you're not supposed to be having them and then suddenly miraculously three days later eight more players test positive for covid the nfl is a well is, is, is a it's like a it's a well oil machine except if you put one speck of dirt in it which is you you're the speck of dirt right now tennessee titans and you're fucking up the whole schedule <laughs> fucking steelers titans have to be in week seven they're they're thinking about it they're they're talking about adding a whole other week to the season because you can't stop <laughs> testing positive for this virus like it's just just stop it man cool it stop getting coronavirus stop putting this whole season in jeopardy stop making writers write dumb things like the tennessee Titans should be giving the death penalty and kicked out of the league for a year if you'd stop <laughs> Stop getting COVID-19, then Doug Farrar can't write that stuff. Just stop it. Just stay. Do what everyone else in the league has been doing. Only one other team, I believe, has had positive tests that have stayed po- – well, excuse me, the Patriots have had some positive tests, um, and they haven't handled things phenomenally. But you know what? They haven't had a full-blown fucking outbreak the way that you guys have. <laughs> Just chill. This is all I have, man. It's <laughs> all I have. This is the only thing giving me through this goddamn godforsaken last six months is the fact that we that there's like one to two days a week when I can count on having football on TV and you're jeopardizing it because you it's all I got, man. It's, it's all I got. It's like it's it's like my, my my loving wife and professional football. It's like the only thing that's powering me through this. Just 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 stop, Tennessee. Stop, stop getting COVID. Matt, Matt, I think you just need to have some more Josh's Jacks and 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 another beer. Yeah, jo- Josh, Josh, Josh Allen is now trying to make me look like an asshole. He's having like an MVP caliber season he, after I took him to the woodshed. He's fucking crushing it, but <laughs> took, they're playing the, the Titans this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jo- the the only thing that can stop the the Josh Allen the Josh's Jacks train is uh is Ryan Tannehill coughing on him during the uh, the handshake line at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my, my very quick take. Cause we've, this has been a supercharged episode. Yeah. Very yeah. charged. Uh, Tim, if people want to hear your thoughts on, uh, <laughs> the Tennessee Titans COVID-19 outbreak, where can they find you on Twitter to see those takes at Tim R. Hansen. How about you, Rich? At B underscore walnuts. How about you, Sean? At Hey, it's SOB. And you can follow me on Twitter at MKASNEL. That's M-K-A-S-Z-N-E-L. The podcast is available on Twitter at Brose underscore podcast or on Facebook at Brose Podcast. You can listen to our show anywhere fine podcasts are bought and sold, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn. Um, and if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the air, email it to brosequestions at gmail.com. That's brosequestions at gmail.com. Huge thanks, as always, to Mary O'Brien for compiling our questions and coming up with some real sweet uh, graphic design work. Uh, if, you, if you're listening to this, a couple days ago, we put out a picture uh, that, that asked for questions for the show. Uh, Mary whipped that one up herself, so we really appreciate that. Um, huge thanks to Shannon Vogel for designing our world-famous logo. Uh, and you can look at her work and purchase it uh, at some points at the at uh, not the Free Music Archive because that's different. Uh, you can you can guy buy her stuff on Etsy.com and at Shannon Vogel Photography on Facebook. And her theme music is When by Steven Siebert. And you can listen to his work at the Free Music Archive. Rich, what is going on with PodQuest these days? 
uh, come check out PodQuest, Nerdy Roundtable, where we talk about that week's news and stuff. Um, just this morning, I watched the very first ever 1953 Godzilla movie. We might talk about that for a bit. Ooh. So unfortunately, um, Eddie and I uh, of the Keystone Coast to Coast podcast have gone through a conscious uncoupling. Uh, that's not really the, the right way to put it, but Eddie, I want to do a little work for Eddie. Cause he's actually doing some great work on a new podcast called four, one, two sports. Uh, you know, we have a, a huge contingent of Pittsburgh sports fans that listen to this show, as we all know. Uh, and if you're interested in that, you'll be very interested to hear Eddie's new podcast, four, one, two sports, uh, with mad Chad Nolan. Uh, they've had some, some really good guests from the athletic.com. Uh, I, I even heard rumor that they, they somehow might bag like the mayor of Pittsburgh for a future Hell podcast, yeah. which is absolutely, absolutely unbelievable and well beyond uh, mine and Eddie's pay grade. Maybe not Mad Chad's, uh, but it's a it's a, a great program. Four one two sports. Uh, if you're interested in uh, the thickest Yinzer accents you've ever heard talking about the, Pengu- <laughs> the Penguins, Steelers, and uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, you check them out. It's a great program. Uh, but that's it, guys. Say goodbye to the listeners. Bye. Bye. Deuces. For Rich Sweet and Sean O'Brien, Tim Hansen, and the entire Action Moves team. Moves. My name is Matt Casnell, reminding you to be smart about being stupid. <laughs>